Ezra chapter 7, we'll find our place there. And I want you to look at verse 1. And here's what it says. Now after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sariah, the son of Azura, and the son of Hilkiah. Now I know we normally like to gloss over these genealogy things, but I want you to underline verse 1 because we're coming back to it. Now go with me to verse 5. At the end of verse 5, we'll see that when you go through the genealogy, he was the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest, who was the first chief priest, Moses' brother. Now let's dive into this, verse 6. Then Ezra came up from Babylon, and he saw uh, he was a skilled scribe, a ready scribe is what it means in the translation. He was ready. He was learned. It wasn't on the job training that he was headed for. That's important. Underline that. <clears throat> In the law of Moses, which the Lord God, which the Lord God of Israel had given, and the king granted him all of the request. Underline that in your Bible. The king granted him all of the request according to the hand of God. Wow. According to the hand of God. Now, go with me to verse 7. Some of the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the singers and the gatekeepers, came up to Israel the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was the seventh year of the king. On the first day of the month, he began his journey from captivity in Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month, on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem according to what? The hand of God that was upon him. There it is again. Do you see it, church? Now, verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart. Underline that, point number one. Prepared his heart. In the law of the Lord. And to do it. Point number two. Underline that. And to teach it. To Israel. Point number three. Underline that. There it is. One verse. Summarizes it all. But let me tell you about the differences. Before this. It was all about Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel came and he rebuilt the temple, and with him came 42,365 Jewish people out of bondage to rebuild the temple. Now, we say that's a lot of folks, amen? But not when you consider that there was over a million people in the population of Israel. So now, all these years later, some 75 years later, because you remember, it took them 16 years to get where we were last week, to having the temple rebuilt. And then... You add another 50, 50 to 60 years, scholars squibble over that. And uh, now, some 75 years later, here comes Ezra. So, Zerubbabel was an old man. And he died without seeing restoration of Israel. 
Now, he saw the temple being rebuilt, and so with Zerubbabel came 42,365. Now, with Ezra came 2,000. Why? Well, I mean, if you start talking about building buildings and Ephesus, things that will magnify the flesh, you can get people excited. I mean, you can get them fired up. They'll work, they'll give, they'll pray, they'll show up. They'll enjoy. Because it's physical, it's tangible. And that's what Zerubbabel did. He rebuilt the temple. Now, I'm not going to re-preach where I've been because it's a lot. If you missed it, you can pick it up online or we'll get you the DVD. But here's what I want you to understand. It was heavy. It took 16 years to get it built. Zerubbabel was an old man. Ezra was a young man. To get the temple rebuilt last week, there was two men that rose up named Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai was the older prophet. Zechariah was the younger. Haggai dealt with the bricks and mortar, the counting the bricks and all those things that dealt with it. And, and that combination of things, that was Haggai's job. Matter of fact, Haggai chapter 2, he says, What in the world's going on here? You live in paneled houses, yet my house is in shambles. And then when we go over here, we connect the dots and we see a little bit further. There's Zechariah. Go read Zechariah. It's way more chapters than Haggai. It talks about visions and dreams and things of the future and all that stuff. Haggai was a nuts and bolts kind of guy. I mean, when you talk about difference, boy, I mean, you can almost see me and Pastor Ralph. Pastor Ralph was a, a, a market, count it, build it, score it, get it done type guy. And all I want to do is dream about it, amen. If I can dream it, he can build it, amen. Can we get a witness? And so Zechariah came in, he began to give dreams. As a matter of fact, his dreams and visions even went into the millennial, the day of the Lord, at the end of Zechariah. But Zechariah showed up not to rebuild a temple, uh, not, he, was, he was the prophet, not really encouraging the rebuilding of the temple, but the rebuilding of the people. Now, oh, my goodness, pick up what I'm fixing to put down, church, is that all of a sudden, right here, came Zerubbabel. When Zerubbabel was discouraged, God, on behalf of God, he went to Haggai and said, you go tell Zerubbabel to experience revival because I'm not done with him. Rebuild that temple. And then when the temple was rebuilt, and all of a sudden they didn't know what to do because they had a big building with a high high ceiling and all kind of stuff that was glorious. Matter of fact, Haggai said, the, the former glory will be better than the first glory. And all of a sudden, when the temple was rebuilt, they had a building, but they didn't have revival. Amen. And so God raised up Ezra. But you know what? He sent Ezra a prophet named Zechariah to encourage him. to Listen, Zechariah was going on behalf of God to Ezra. And Ezra was going on behalf of the people to God. And there was a head-on collision of the providence and the moving of God. And I'm telling you today, church, as things began to shake up in Jerusalem and the moment of restoration began to happen some 75 years later. Let me tell you today, church, restoration didn't happen when they were were shoveling the ashes out when they were hauling the charred lumber out restoration didn't come restoration came when the people of God turned their heart back to God and revival began to sweep through that place and then and only then was Jerusalem beginning to be restored 
What God is looking for today is some church, some boy, some man of God to rise up with the Spirit of God to charge into a city, to charge into your surroundings, your rural town, and say, you know what? I just believe what the Word of God says is that I am a new creation in Christ. And if I am a new creation in Christ, all things have passed away. All things have become new. And now then, the Bible says that I am an ambassador for Christ as though God was imploring through me on Christ's behalf for men and women, boys and girls to be reconciled back to God. Are you with me today, church? Can you say amen? I'm telling you that God is looking for somebody to rise up and make a difference. God is looking for somebody to be the remnant, to be the one that says, I want restoration in my life. I want restoration in my city, in my home, in my state, in my country. Zerubbabel was about building the temple. Ezra was about restoring the people. Church, we have lots of difficult conversations to be had. We have plenty of temples, but not much revival. I remember some eight, ten years ago when we began the conversation of planning a church in Alexandria. Everybody who was of influence in my life kept saying, why in the world would you do that? And basically, I said, I don't know. You know, they said, why do you want to start a church in Alexandria when there's churches everywhere? And I kept saying, I keep asking God the same question. You know, and, but it wasn't until we realized that over 80% of the people who live in that city, in those colors right there, are unchurched which meant there were over 80,000 unchurched people just within a few miles of this building, a few minutes of this building that didn't have a pastor to call whenever all of a sudden tragedy struck. They didn't have a pastor to go beside them when they were diagnosed with cancer, when they were struggling with uh, infirmities, when their children were prodigal, when they were hung up in drug addiction and their spouse was caught in an affair. They didn't have a family to come along beside them. And God said, you know what? I just believe that I want you to do that. And I kept saying, but Lord, anywhere but Alexandria. Anywhere but Alexandria. Nevertheless, here we are. When we planted that church some eight, ten years, uh, when we planned to plant the church some eight, ten years ago, there had not been a legitimate church plant in 25 years. Now, there had been church plants. Somebody got upset and mad and took their cookies and Kool-Aid and went somewhere else. You know, we heard from God, we're going to go start us a new church. No, you didn't like what was happening. Well, anyway, let me move on. And God positioned us years ago for what's happening today. Some 60 years ago, or 70 years ago, at Baptist Temple, God gave those folks a vision when there was nothing. And today they're discouraged. And today they're struggling. And today, for some reason, they didn't go looking for us. We didn't go looking for them. But somehow, providentially, God connected us. Like in Esther for such a time as this. You know what? I want you to know something today, church. He did not connect us for ourselves. 
He did not connect us so that we could grow bigger as a church and have bigger buildings and have bigger budget and turn inward and do more things for ourselves. I'll tell you why God's connecting us. God is connecting us for a city because there is a city that needs a movement of restoration to sweep through it and God is uniting His children for such a time as this. They had a big building for 60 years but they had no word from God. What we need in our country today is men of God with the Word of God. God initiated this whole movement. You remember with a pagan king, he gave him a word. King Cyrus, go and rebuild a temple. And then they got discouraged and they quit rebuilding the temple. And then for 16 years it laid, 14 years it laid dormant. And then 16 years later they completed it. Why? Because when they were discouraged and ready to give up, God moved on by a guy by the name of Haggai and said, you go down there and tell them to get with it. And all of a sudden revival took place when a man of God came with a word of God for the people of God that obeyed the word. When they obeyed the word, the things began to happen. But then all of a sudden there was this big temple there was all the things to go with it but there was no man of God to fill it there was no man of God to fill it and 60 years later God brought Ezra on the scene now I ask you to underline verse 1 for a reason because Ezra's family had a little experience with this that guy named Hilkiah he was the priest under a king named Josiah. You know what happened during the time of Josiah? They had lost the law. They had lost the word of God. And they had not had the law read publicly in over 60 years. And all of a sudden, King Josiah makes a decree, we're going to find the law, He'll call, Hilkiah finds the law, blows the dust off of it, stands and begins to read the law, begins to read the Word of God. You know what happened when the Word of God came in contact with the people of God? Restoration. When the Word of God came in contact with the people of God, the people of God agreed with the Word of God. When the people of God agreed with the Word of God, the power of God began to move, and all of a sudden revival began to break out, and restoration began to break out in the children of Israel. And I want you to know something. It's important, because we're not talking about some little old Johnny come lately. No, sir, no, ma'am. His grand, great-grandpa was Hilkiah, and I'm telling you, they lived a whole lot longer than we do today. Amen. And I'm sure he heard about his great-grandpa Hilkiah who stood up on that crate and began to read the Word of God and the power of God began to move. And he passed that down to his grand, his, grand, his grandson. Oh, mercy. Mm -mm. All the way back to a young boy named Ezra who for all these years was sitting over there in Babylon in captivity like a pinned up bull just waiting to go. I'm waiting for a chance. I'm waiting for an opportunity. I'm waiting for an opportunity. I'm waiting for an opportunity. He was ready. But I'm telling you that sometimes God has us in a unique place so that we can be ready for when He calls us. Because God's time's not our time. Are you with me, church? Can you say amen? Oh, I wish somebody would hear me this morning. God's time's not our time. His time schedule's not our time schedule. He doesn't work the way we work because He's not bound by time. Oh, today, Zerubbabel built a temple. But Ezra came to restore a people. If church buildings would bring revival and restoration, there'd be no problem in America. Because we have bigger buildings. 
more churches all over the place, but less power. Because buildings do not translate power. Desperate people translate power. People that are willing to give themselves away so that God can use them. Three things I want you to write down. Introductions will kill you on it. I'm not here today to say I'm Ezra. Because boy, I know I'm not. Number one, I'm not Jewish. <clears throat> I'm not here to draw that parallel. Because I'm kind of like Amos. Amos says, I wasn't a prophet nor a son of a prophet. I was just out there minding my own business, keeping the sheep. And God showed up and said, I want you to go be my prophet. And him, kind of like Moses, began to look around and say, you must be talking about somebody else. The last thing I ever wanted to do with my life was to be a pastor. But God had other plans, and I thank him for it. But I'm here today to tell you that I'm not saying I'm Ezra, but I'm here to tell you I can draw three parallels from Ezra's life that are in my heart. And the first one is, I ask you to underscore it, my first point. The Bible says in verse 10 that he had prepared his heart. He had prepared his heart because he had a desire to know God's will. Now, I'm, I want to speak to you really personal here. So let me get close. It's not our responsibility to have to discover it. It's God's responsibility to reveal it. We just have to be willing to sit still long enough to hear it. And when you grab it and you have a desire, when you have a fire shut up in your bones to know the will of God, the devil will bring a fire brigade to put it out. He'll tell you you're not qualified. He'll tell you with your past, there's no way you can ever have a future for him. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? And then when you're resolved to not believe him and follow the will of God, and you have no backup in you, and you keep persevering, he will send people to oppose you just like we've looked at in previous weeks. And you've got to decide, will I obey the voice of God or will I obey the voice of man? Listen, there was a many a day in my ministry that it was, that it, it was easier to quit than to continue. It was easier to quit than to continue. There were some days in some of your lives that's been here for a while, it was easier for you to quit what God was doing here than to continue. And that's the way in most churches. When it gets a little bit tough, all of a sudden, people begin to move on. Why? Because it's too tough. We can't stay with the vision. Now, when we think about this, God's wanting to do something. But you've got to have a vision. Now, one of the main problems is most churches don't have anything to stick with. They hadn't had a vision in so long. They lost it, kind of like the law. They need Hilkiah to come and recover the vision. And you, I, I'm telling you today that when you have a desire, I have a desire. I'm not Ezra. I'm not claiming to even be a, a close second to Ezra. 
But I am telling you that Ezra had prepared his heart. And all I want you to know is that I have prepared my heart. When all hell has assailed me, I've went to my knees and say, God, all I know is let me be faithful through it. The outcome doesn't matter, Lord. Whatever you want the outcome to be, the outcome will be the outcome, God. But Lord, help me to be faithful. Lord, help me not to be found lacking. Lord, help me not to be found wanting. God, help me not to become a castaway after I've already preached and exalted the name of Jesus. And what God is looking for today is some man, some woman to rise up and say, God, help me to be faithful. Lord, give me the stick to persevere for the glory of God. Ezra had a desire to know God's will. Well, do you have that desire? We used to sing a modern song back in the late 80s. You know you're old when what was contemporary is now old. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. I want you more than any other, Lord, more than anything. That word panteth in the Greek in Psalms means to painfully seek after. When we painfully seek after the will of God, you know what will happen? He'll reveal it. Then when he reveals it, you have to make a decision what you're going to do with it. You have to have a determination to follow it. It's right here in the Bible. Look at verse 10. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of God and to do it. Why did we, ne- why? Why did we let Nike steal the church's mission? Just do it. You remember the days when you used to just do it just because you love Jesus? It didn't take ministerial manipulation or triangulation to get you to serve. I mean, you just signed up, you were ready, and you were willing, and you were accounted for. Ready to serve. Ready scribe. Ready statesman. Ready bus driver. Ready cleaning person. Ready teacher. Ready worship. Whatever. I mean, it was just ready. You have to have a determination to do God's will. I'm not Ezra, nor am I a close second. But I'm telling you today, as your pastor, I have a determination. I have a determination to do God's will. Because I know he's going to reveal it. Because I know my God. It's not my responsibility to discover it. It's his responsibility to reveal it. Therefore, I don't have to worry about it. I just have to seek it. And do it when he speaks it. And so, Ezra, when he heard it, he did it. He loaded up his 2,000 people. We'll see next week in chapter 8 when they got out by the river there. They stopped and was kind of counting the troops. Didn't take long with 2,000. He got out there and you know what? Ezra, a scribe, you know what he didn't have? Any Levites. He was going back to restore worship in the new temple, old temple, that had never been used. And he got there and there were no Levites. He couldn't fulfill the Levitical law with no Levites. So he sent back some people and said, you got to go find us some Levites. He could have quit right there. Well, if it was the will of God, bless God, he'd have sent me some Levites. No, 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 that wasn't what he did. He stayed by the river, and he began to fast and pray. And he went and he found some Levites. There was a determination to do the will of God. 
Church, what our city needs, what I pray Family of Grace is and will be for centuries to come, till Jesus comes back, is a church that is not only willing to know it, but do it. That has determination. Because if we will have determination to do the will of God, then there will be a demonstration of the will of God. I mean, look at it right here. The end of verse 10. I mean, it says to teach the statues, to just do it, and teach the statues and the ordinances. And then you go into the rest of this chapter, and when you see Ezra knew the will of God, he was determined to do the will of God, and because he was determined to do the will of God, then it was God's responsibility to move on a king to give Ezra what he wanted. Do you remember what I asked you to underline earlier, where it says, and the hand of the Lord was upon him? And then a few verses later it said, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. The hand of the Lord was upon him. The hand of the Lord was upon him. What God needs, what God's looking for is a group of radical believers who are willing to position themselves with the word of God. Will quit debating over the authenticity of it and just believe that the word of God is settled. It's settled forever and ever. God, we're not here to debate it. We're here to obey it. God, Lord, whatever you said, Lord, we agree with. You know, we used to have a little old cliche. If God said that. I believe it, that settles it, bless God. No, whether you believe it or not, it's settled. The word of the Lord endures forever. It's settled, it's settled, it's settled. God's looking for somebody. It'll rise up and follow it. They did what they could. They built the temple. And they waited on God. And God sent a man named Ezra. And the restoration of the temple did not bring about revival. The restoration of the people did. Do you realize revival, the rest of the chapter, the rest of this book's about revival? Because revival when, comes when a man of God brings the word of God and the people of God agree with the word of God and obey it. Nice buildings won't bring about restoration. Big crowds won't bring about restoration. We have more people gathering today in mega churches and there's less power than ever before. I'm not speaking ill of mega churches. I'm speaking ill of the vacancy of the power of God. Because the power of God comes from the people of God aligned with the word of God. Maybe we need to go and do like Hilkiah and find the law again. You know where it's at. It's at your house. You probably got a copy in every room. And set our heart to find God's will. And be determined to follow God's will. When people tell you quit, you persevere. When they tell you you're not worthy, you tell them you're right. But he is. When you're trying to talk yourself out of something and say, I'm not qualified, I know my limitations, I'm slow of speech, I'm this and that, I don't have a good memory, Pastor, I'm not young anymore, I can't, if I was young here, no, 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 it's where you just agree with God. Who cares what your age is? Agree with God. Back when I was young and on fire and ignorance on fire, uh, first church I ever pastored, had this lady quit the first day because I was too young. And boy, I'm telling you, when I was ignorant on fire, Lord, help those poor folks. I didn't have any better sense, so I went and knocked on our door, and she wouldn't open it, and got it cracked open about that wide. and all, She wouldn't let me in. And so all I was able to do was get out. I said, I, 
I understand you didn't want to come anymore because I'm too young. And uh, basically that was the summarization of it. And I said, well, I tell you what, bless God, I'm just like David. I come up here in the name of the Lord, host tribe of Israel. Don't discount me for my youth. Quit letting people discount you. Maybe you are using a little more tact than that, but in contact. Agree with God. Follow God. And there will be a demonstration of God. Do you know what's missing in our country? The demonstration. The demonstration. The demonstration. The demonstration of the power of God. You can't legislate the power of God. You have to seek after it. And align yourself with him. That you may be blessable. And if you'll be blessable. The power of God. Will come.